This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad that you are here today. Uh, I am joined again by uh, one of my favorite guests, Father Jack Mossbrooker. So welcome back, Father. Thank you. We decided to be here. Good. We decided to do a couple more episodes on employment justice and some of the injustices that employees face at the hands of their either employers or corporate. But we realized there was a couple more issues we needed to to clarify. So, uh, and that is the issues of at will employment, which is a heavily criticized practice, but heavily common practice as well. And open shop employment. We'll explain these as we get along. But in America, there are two disturbing laws in place that put employees at a great disadvantage. One law gives the employer most of, if not all of the power, and the other law pits employees against each other, putting the financial burden on just a few of the employees. These laws, as I said, are at-will employment and open shop labor laws. So Father Jack is going to... uh, to help me work through some of these things, because even though I'm actually experienced at least the at-will employment in a negative way as an employee, but still I am confounded by these two labor practices and why they're allowed to continue on. Now, before we get too far into this, I want to read a somewhat lengthy, or read you a definition rather of at-will employment. And at-will employment is the practice where uh, employers have the legal right to fire, dismiss, or in any way in the employment of an employee without any cause at any time for any reason. And so that is something that many people have fallen into disfavor with because it, it really messes up their work history And uh, Father, let's begin with this particular law. We'll talk about open shop in a little bit. But with at-will employment, what to you, I read the the black and white definition on paper of at-will, but to you, what does this uh, at-will employment mean? Well, again, I think we have to go back to the relationship between employer and employee. And that relationship is so often fraught and becomes uh, competitive and uh, and people are on, on one person, employers on one side and employees on the other side. And unfortunately, this is the way it's set up. Uh, so at-will employment means that the employer has uh, complete freedom to choose uh, who he wants to work yeah. and doesn't want to work for him, which is which is okay. You know, he can choose that. But if, the, if he wants, he chooses an employee then he has some responsibility to that employee, I would think, to uh, have a, some longevity and, and to not be fired without reason. But the employer has 
doesn't have that that uh, bind. And so when he hires an employee at will, he has no responsibility for that employee except to pay him for what he has done, what the employee has done. So I think that it's it goes back to so often as many of these things do to the issue of power and a power balance. And at will, it means the all the, the employer has all the power, and that's the way he wants it. So it sounds like to you that it should be well without at will it causes the employer to have to be a little bit more wise in the beginning who they choose. They can have all the freedom of that they want, and then except for, of course, discrimination and those things. But at the same time, he should put his effort at the beginning instead of at the end of the thing. <laughs> right. Which really is no effort at all. You just can randomly get rid of people. That's right. And uh, doesn't like them. And they, uh, they you know, they're maybe they're forming a group against the employer or they're forming a group that would not join a union. He just gets, gets rid of them, as, as happens now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and that is the sad part. And what I want, you know, as much as I want to see some sense in this, I can't. Just, again, reading this definition, you know, in Oregon, where we're recording from, Oregon law allows termination of employment relationship by either the employer or the employee without notice and without cause. Now, some people will argue, well, it does give the employee the ability to leave at will, but they can do that in a union too, right? I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Can, so. Or you can leave anytime they want. Exactly. Nobody's uh, handcuffing. Them. <laughs> no, that's why... That's why employers sometimes try to bind employees by a, a no uh, no communication contract where an employee can't use any of the information he learned while on the job anyplace else. Ah. They, they try to bind them that way. How do you unlearn that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, so do you see any justice in at-will employment? I don't. I don't see any justice because it's too unbalanced. It's like uh, having a weight and uh, you got your thumb on the scale, you know, on one side. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no, uh, the employee is is a victim in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, uh, the employee is simply at at the, um, you know, the the good pleasure of the employer. So it, it doesn't, I don't think it also doesn't build much loyalty and, uh, between the employer and the employee, and I don't. I think it would be hard for teamwork because if I were an employee like that, I'd always be looking over my shoulder. Am I exactly. doing something wrong? You know, uh, am I displeasing the employer? Did he come? How did he come to work today? You know, is he exactly. that headache or what? Yeah, that's a good point. I know in my experience as an employee that yeah, you just learn not to trust. No idea what's coming down. Uh, the pike here. Now, I want to read a little bit as to why this law exists and a little bit of the history. Uh, the original states here, I looked on Wikipedia for a brief history of at-will employment. Actually, I was shocked to find out that it comes from the mid-1800s. And so the original common law rule for dismissal of employees, according to William Blackstone, in, uh, envisioned that unless another practice was agreed, employees would be deemed hired for a fixed term of one year. But over the 19th century, that's the 1800s, most states in the North adhered to the rule that the period by which an employee was paid, whether it's a week, a month, or a year, determined the period of notice that should be given. 
for a dismissal. So in other words, if a employee was paid by the week, they were should only be given a week's notice. If they were paid by the month, a month's notice, and so on. So, for instance, it gives the instance in 1870 in Massachusetts that Tatterson versus Suffolk Manufacturing Company held that an employee's term of hiring dictated the default period of notice. By contrast, in Tennessee, a court stated in 1884 that an employer should be allowed to dismiss any worker or any number of workers for any reason at all. So it appears that in 1870s, when we really see this come into practice, and then it goes on that to say that the at-will practice is typically traced to a treatise published by Horace Gray Wood in 1877 called Master and Servant. Wood cited four U.S. cases as authority for his rule that when a hiring was indefinite, the burden of proof was on the servant to prove that an indefinite employment term was for one for one year. And in Toussaint, I believe is the, the how you say the name, versus Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Michigan, the court noted that Wood's rule was quickly cited as authority for another proposition. Uh, Wood, however, had misinterpreted two of the cases, which in fact showed that in Massachusetts and Michigan, at least the rule that, uh, was that employees should have notice before dismissal, according to the period of contract. And then New York comes into play, and over time, uh, eventually, by the 1900s, uh, you um, uh, have full-blown at-will employment. You can just employees at any time for any reason or no reason at all. However, in 1987, the Montana legislator passed the Wrongful Discharge from Employment Act uh, and its unique uh, and attempts to make some correction anyways of at-will employment, which leads me to asking Father Jack here, should at-will employment like Montana did be tweaked, changed, or eliminated, replaced? What do you think needs to happen? Well, I think it should be changed. I think at will is this uh, puts an employee in such a bad situation that they can't count on anything. Mm-hmm. They can't, and what's what's most important to a family to growing is, is having an economic stability. Right. And they have no stability, and that's just unfair to people when it's uh, w- to uh, take that away from them and deprive them of any kind of stability. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you did something like you you had to hire an employee for a year, as, as they indicated yeah. happened, that's one thing, you know. But at least it gives you a stability for a year when you can yeah. if you can look for something else if you want. Uh, so I, I just think that that's, that the, the thing about it is that it treats people as if they're just uh, replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. Now, I know that's an old mm-hmm. saying, you know, nobody's, nobody's unreplaceable, but... In, a, in employment, <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to be replaceable at will. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I was talking to my mom. My mom is eighty one years old. I was talking to her about this the other day, and I, I said, you know, mom, uh, it appears that in your generation, people could work thirty, forty years at the same job. My generation, you have thirty or forty jobs in the year. You know, <laughs> it's like you cannot seem to hang on to employment unless you completely conform to something that's not really all that human uh, to begin with. Um, Now, one thing I'm curious, because 
the proponents of this law say that it gives employees some advantage to be able to leave when they want without repercussions. But do you see any advantages to, for employees? I don't see any. I, I, I think an employee can leave anytime they want from any job. <laughs> yeah. They just walk away from it. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, that's a bogus sort of a statement. I think even if you're in a contract, you can break the contract. You might not get the benefits coming, but at least you're not held captive. <laughs> I, As one lawyer said, contracts are made to be broken. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, but, but a contract mm-hmm, gives the employee some stability. Right. That's that's for sure. Yeah, because they've got something to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, uh, in at-will employment, can an employee attempt to create a contract with an employer, or does that ever happen? Um, not to my knowledge. I don't know of any situation like that, but certainly could attempt it. Well, one one attempt to create a contract is a union. Right. That's really what the union is. It's a contract between oh, employees right. and employer to how things are going to work. Right. And so that's uh, that's something that employees employers excuse me fight vigorously, and mm-hmm. because they don't want it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they want maximum freedom All for the themselves. Yeah. Now, can you describe some of the harm that at-will employment does to the employee? And I can talk about that as well, but I'll let yeah. you share. Well, I mentioned something, the lack of stability. And, and how, can you, uh, how can you commit yourself to raising a family and, uh, with, which demands economic, some economic stability mm-hmm. and buying a house and you know, buying a car, buying all the necessities of life if you don't know if you're going to have a job next week? Yeah. I mean, if you really don't know that, and it's always on. You're always on tender hooks. What, how could you? How could you build something? So I think that's a that's a major piece. I think the other piece is is just psychologically to feel that you have no rights. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. no in this relationship, and with, with the employer. And I think that's bad for people. You know, that that takes away some human dignity oh, for from sure. them. So I I just think that. Those kinds of things are, are really wrong and uh, need to be overcome. So. Yeah, and, and let's do a double whammy on the employee now because I've experienced this personally with jobs. You get let go for no reason, and they try to fix rig it so you can't collect unemployment because they don't want to pay that out. So then, yeah, it really puts... That in a bind. Another thing is then it messes up your employment history because now you're forced to explain to the next employer how, why you lost your job or how, why is it you have two jobs in a short amount of time and you're, I'm doing my best and this is just happening. Well, yeah. you, you pointed out when an when a employer wants at-will employment, you pointed out another piece of the downfall of that. And that's... Uh, they not only want to be able to fire you; they don't want any responsibility for you. At no, all. <laughs> at all. Not at all. Not even to not even injustice. You know, to to that right. you would get unemployment because that would cost them something. Yeah. So it really, it's too often comes down to the dollar, the money. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's you know, be, I've been a manager in business and upper management. It's always about profit, profit, profit. Yeah. Drive it up. Now, what? Uh, not that I'm anything wrong with profits how 
companies right. stay alive, but there comes a point at let's, can we talk about change the subject a little bit or talk about baseball or something, you know, <laughs> but, uh, uh, one of the, uh, things I want to talk about with listeners right now is you may be wondering, okay, this is bogus. This should not occur, but how do we change that? What do we do about it? We'll talk in the next episode, actually, how to change a law in place. So hang on for that one and look up that episode on how to change an unjust law. Now let's switch gears, talk about open shop law and open shop, uh, Uh, law actually has to do with unions, places that actually have unions. And in the open shop, I won't get into all the legal language with you, but uh, in that uh, a place of employment where there is a union in place, new employees are not required to join the union. Uh, And we'll cite some legal reasons why that has come about, but what happens in these open shops is now you have some employees paying union dues out of their paychecks, some not paying union dues, but still getting the benefits of the contract that was negotiated. So let's uh, talk a little bit about that. Can you give us a little bit of history, Father, on this particular law? Yeah, well, the open shop began a long time ago, <laughs> and uh, back in the middle 1800s, is that right? Uh, yeah, early 1900s, somewhere Early 1900s, there, yeah. right in there. And uh, it was because part of the reason that they that they gave for that was because the uh, uh, the employers thought it was the people the workers excuse me the workers thought that they shouldn't have to pay the union for their services because the union was able to then support certain political candidates which they might disagree with, mm-hmm. but. What the, the the part about that that they don't face is that is that the, when they join a union they are the union. <laughs> if they don't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If they don't like what the union is doing, they need to change that. Yeah. They need to work to change that. So I think that's a little bit uh, bogus, also. Yeah, my mom, I'm. And dad both worked for a union, uh, the electrical workers union. And I'm sure the union representatives, every time they saw my mom calling, they were like, oh, no. Because my mom would regularly call and give a complaint or or offer an opinion that they should take heed of. So, <laughs> yes. But she had that power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And they, and uh, I remember my father going to union meetings where they, yeah. elect, they elected their representative. Yeah, you know, my parents uh, were at every union meeting. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not that they lose power by joining a union, <laughs> you know, they right. they gain money by not joining a union. Yeah, and, and they get they get all the benefits that the union uh, gets. Right. And, and but they don't support that. They don't support the people who are negotiating for the union. Which is leads me to my next question because I need you to help me make sense of something. Is why do all the employees get the advantage of the union without paying union dues. I mean, you're, you're literally pitting employees against each other because they're, they all know that some of them at payday are getting part of their paycheck cut by this union due, and some of them are going with full paycheck home. Help me make sense of that. <laughs> I don't, I can't. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know if, if an employer, what, what the effect would be if an employer chose to, uh, change the uh, the rules and give non-union employees less money because of their 
the union dues. I don't think he would do that. That's not going to work. Yeah, no. I, well, and I don't think so because I want to talk next about some lawsuits that's been involved in open shop laws, and I want you to give us your thoughts on these the arguments, but the open shop, of course, means the factory office or other business established with the union. But there's been a few lawsuits as I pick through my papers here. Uh, I turned to the wrong page here. So there we go. Janus versus AFS CME, which is hard to say when you say the full <laughs> acronym. But uh, in this, this came about in uh, 2018 where, uh, concerning government workers. So even government workers have belong to unions and what they established one particular government worker Janice established is that uh, being required to join the union violated free speech, which I'll talk about why that argument free speech drives me up a wall because I'm not sure where the speech is coming out of the mouth in this one, but uh where he uh, it was in 2015 that Illinois Republican Governor Bruce Rauner filed suit claiming that fair share agreements are unconstitutional and a violation of free speech. In March of 2015, three government workers from Illinois, represented by attorneys from the Illinois-based Liberty Justice Center and Virginia-based National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, took legal action to intervene in the case. In May of 2015, Rauner was dropped from the case after a federal judge ruled that the governor did not have standing to bring such a suit, but the case proceeded under a new name, Janus versus the Union. The case is named after Mark Janus, an Illinois child support specialist covered by a collective bargaining agreement. Janus claimed that he should not need to pay fees to the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees because doing so constitutes paying for political speech with which Janus disagrees. This became permissible after a 1977 decision by the U.S. Supreme Court in Abu versus Detroit Board of Education. The outcome of the case was in favor of Janus, and as such, non-union members cannot be compelled to pay fees in accordance with the given fair share agreement that is in place respect to union. Now you hear their arguments. What do you think of their arguments? Um, I don't, I don't think much of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. I like it, <laughs> but they bring in free speech and you know, I don't agree with what the union politically stands for. Well, free speech is, you could, if you belong to a union, you can say whatever you want to say. Oh. It's just as well as a, as a non-union worker mm-hmm. can. I mean, th- give me a break. The, the union doesn't take away a person's free speech. Right. It's, it's, it, take, it, it can speak with a collective voice, which right. is not taking away any of individuals' free speech. You go to a union meeting, you can say anything you want, you know, and within reason, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, you know, that, that's the reality. It's just, it, that it's just bogus. They're not taking away any... Uh, any speech, you know, to say that, well, I'm supporting the union and the union is supporting Mr. X or Mrs. X for mm-hmm. for this office. Right. And I don't agree with that. Well, you don't have to vote for them. And uh, you can say, well, I don't want my money to go for that political support. Well, you can go to your union meetings and you can you can voice your opinion. And, and you, right. if you get enough people that like you, 
then maybe you can influence the right. union. It's kind of like so. a national election. Uh, yeah. If you get enough people that vote the way you want, you get the president that says things you like, but there's a good chance right. you might not get the president that says things <laughs> like, so <laughs> nothing yeah. you can do about it. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, yeah, we are one person in a society, so we can't always have it go our direction. And and the reality is that, uh, you know, unions are a democracy. Mm-hmm. They're a democratic way of operating. Right. Uh, so true. Uh, so you're saying it does not violate free speech. I don't think so at all. Yeah. Just violates my personal opinion sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, one of the things I want to go back in the scriptures because over and over in the old Testament, the people of Israel, uh, starting with Moses and then moving on to the prophets were constantly confronted with their unjust ways of treating employees. And so these things we've been talking about in these five episodes deals with, you know, we think oftentimes a little bit too spiritual or a little bit too religious, I should say, because we think that the prophet should come along and tell people you're not going to church enough. You're not wearing nice enough clothes. You're not. No, they're, they were saying God is about to punish you because you're unjustly treating your workers. You're not taking care of the immigrants. You're not taking care of the widows. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ultimately, if if you read the Bible carefully, God was always on the side of the widow, the orphan, and the resident alien. Mm-hmm. And those are code words for the the vulnerable people. Yes. Those were the people God was on the side of. Right. That's still true today. I mean, God is always on the side of the vulnerable. And yeah. Nobody take care of them. That's where God is. So we got to get back then to the foundation that this isn't just about u.s law this is about universal natural law that universally god expects people to fairly treat their employees and take good care of them that's right yeah and immigrants named over and over and over again just in case we're we're getting lost in the u.s on that particular issue uh, now, what do you think is the answer to this law? Because to me, it's a little tricky because the way the lawsuits have gone, what do you think is the answer to open shop law? Well, I, I think the answer is that uh, that everybody should be, if you work for a corporation, you should be within that contract of the union so that you're protected by it and you're a part of it. Okay. And it, that, you know, that's the, that's the part that doesn't come out is that the union gives you protection and stability. You know, the, the non-union worker, I think, could be fired, you know. I hadn't the, thought about that because the, the lawsuits, they're saying it violates my free speech, but if you don't join the union, you actually lose your speech because you can't vote. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do you think that it should, ju- this law should be replaced with uh, something else? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, if a place has a union, you're required to join it. Just look elsewhere, maybe, if you don't want to be a union. <laughs> you <know. laughs> it's your choice. If that's really the issue, that you yeah. don't want to be part of a union. If that, you know, I, I, I think somehow the issue is maybe close to more to individualism. You know, I, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Exactly. You know. I think you're right. Well, Father, that's a lot of territory there. That is. But join us again, because Father and I are going to talk about how to change these laws, because that's where the real task is, 
not in convincing you as a listener that these laws are unjust so much as what do you do once you recognize that. So thank you for joining us, Father. Uh, in both of these instances, we're talking again about laws that need to be eliminated or replaced with just labor laws. However, that is where the daunting task takes place. So I want you to join us in the next episode as we talk about how to change a law. A law. This is important. Think of a time where you or someone you knew was unjustly treated at work or unjustly terminated from a job. How did it feel? What consequences did you suffer? Imagine having no recourse in the matter. These two laws leave countless workers with no recourse. At-will employment allows employers to give workers a bad record and puts them in a great disadvantage to obtain further meaningful employment. And the open labor laws puts union workers at a disadvantage financially as well. So thank you for joining us. We want you to join us on how to change an unjust law so that you can make a difference right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.